0: Uh, my name is Scott. I'm one of the pastors here. Sean is out of town. Uh, he will be back next week. So if you are new or visiting, be sure to come back next week. And Yeah. I was going to try to make a joke, but that is not going to work. Okay, so... Try to make it funny. Not going to work. Um, yeah. Hey, this morning, you know, since it's a, a new year, I thought, hey, I'll just kind of springboard off the classic uh, New Year's resolution theme a little bit and, and and incorporate that into this morning. I thought, hey, since it's the beginning of the year to kind of, you know, it's always that, that time or season where you kind of just be like, look out. Okay, it's a new year. Hopefully there's some new hopes. Resolutions. You want to do something different, make some changes. And so this morning, I just kind of want to look at um, really just kind of jumpstart out of Genesis and, and look at this idea of co-creating with God, partnering with God, and looking out and having a vision for your life, for your family, for your business, for your school, whatever it is. Um, and really just kind of get a, get a thought process going on of like, okay, man, maybe I need to revisit some things. Maybe you've never even thought about some of these things, and, and hopefully at the end you'll be like, man, I need to, I need to think about these things. Um, and so, yeah, I'm going to kind of take a, a bucket of paint and just kind of go, whoa, and just splatter you, um, and just give a big picture, uh, and then um, hopefully narrow it down uh, at the end to, uh, yeah, get you guys thinking stuff. Here are some examples from from my own life. So um, I'm going to pray real fast, and we'll get into it. Jesus, I thank you for this morning. God, I pray that you would awaken our hearts and our minds to the things of God this morning. God, what you might want us to do in the future. God, that you would stir up in our heart um, dreams, visions. God, that you'd stir our imagination um, to really just walk with you and co-create with you and partner with you in what Jesus in the New Testament talks about, bringing the kingdom of God here on earth. And so we thank you for this morning, in Jesus' name, amen. I want to start out with a definition of of, uh, a New Year's resolution, and it is a person who resolves to continue good practices, change an undesired trait or behavior, accomplish a goal, or otherwise improve their life at the start of a new year. Very simple, basic, and definition. And, and what we do when we create a New Year's resolution is we are seeking to change the future, so to speak, of our lives. Some of that might be on some small scale, but some of it might be a dramatically, on a dramatic large scale. Okay. So, for example, if you have a New Year's resolution, which is the top one statistically is, is losing weight. I want to get fit. I want to lose weight, exercise that's not just hey i'm going to sign up for the gym okay it take, you got to take into account the amount of times you go to the gym the amount of hours you spend at the gym you got to take into account you're not just doing that but then you're you're going to have to like alter for a lot of people literally alter their eating habits and lifestyle you used to eat this and now you're going to be going this direction with what you eat your sleeping habits drinking habits all that stuff needs to be taken into account right and that's why statistically, most people don't keep their resolution when it comes to wanting to lose weight or get fit. They don't take into account all of that, right? If you're saving up, another example is like if you're saving up money because you want to get out of debt or you want to put down a down payment for a house, the same thing. You're going to have to alter your lifestyle, cut out a bunch of stuff that you can get out of debt or save this to get what you want, but purchase a house or whatnot. So what you're literally doing when you come to like a New Year's resolution as you're looking forward and have a new vision for your life. Again, some of that might be on a small scale, some of that might be on a large scale. You're also using your imagination, right? It's not like New Year's resolution, I'm going to do this. Okay, it takes planning. you got to think about, man, how can I... Because if you're going to go to the gym or you're going to start working out, you got to get creative because a lot of times it's not fun, right? you got to use your imagination. And then... And then really what you're doing as well is you're dreaming about a future, a better future, and you're kind of like writing a new chapter in your life, what you're doing. You're turning a page and saying, hey, with this resolution, I want to, and you start writing. But that takes planning, that takes vision, that takes forethought, thinking out long term. And obviously, these are good things, like news resolutions are are good things, and I think what we're going to see from Genesis is these are actually really not New Year's resolutions in itself, but looking forward, using your imagination, dreaming, co-creating with God is a very biblical thing. And so I, that's what I just want to stir your heart and mind today, since it is a new year, um, to think about those things. Okay, so we get to create, co-create with God. We're going to look in, um, in Genesis, if you have a Bible, you want to turn to Genesis chapter 1. And we're going to just see, just to give you a heads up, we're going to see God actually expects his creation to help name things. not that an interesting little phrase in there? Expects humanity to partner with him. So we're going to see how he brings some animals, and then God says, hey, start naming things, right? Okay? Um, and then we also want to realize, we'll see this in, in Abraham's life, is that, man, he gave humanity, he gave creation uh, human beings, Made in his image, he gave them a very large sandbox. So that's where I want you guys to just think like, whoa, think big, think long, think large. Okay? But before we get there uh, and read Genesis, um, I just want to take a moment to kind of just, just talk about the importance of imagination because I know it's maybe not talked about as much in, in church um, and thinking long-term and dreaming and those things. It's not talked about too much in church. Um, and so one of the things you have to understand is that when we walk with God, You have to understand that it's not, there's two visionaries walking together, okay? It's not just, it's not just God's here and and you're just sitting there going, okay, yeah, but but, you know, sitting on a Sunday morning, okay? And then you go out the rest of your week and you come back and just sit. God is desiring, asking you to participate with him as you walk with him. You are co-creating with God, okay? Henry Miller said this, imagination... Is the voice of the daring? I, I love that language. Imagination is the voice of daring. Why is that? Because it's 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 actually daring to imagine and to start taking steps forward into some unknown territory, right? That that takes risk. It's daring. Imagination is the voice of daring. If there is anything godlike about God, it is that He dared to imagine everything. I love that. Albert Einstein said this, imagination is more important than knowledge. And that rubs up against our kind of American Western church. We're all about knowledge. As Americans, man, we gain information, information, information. That's how we think we learn. But, man, someone as bright and brilliant as, as Albert Einstein, man, said that imagination is more important than knowledge. Okay. Last example, Elon Musk, right? Owner of Tesla and SpaceX, I think, right? This is interesting. In his interview process with his employees, he's looking for imagination and innovation more than anything. So even in his process, you don't even have to have a college degree. You just have to have some form of education or formal training, right? So one of the things he does in his in his inter- interviews is he asks riddles, and he's not even seeing if you get the right answer. He just wants to watch you go through the process of how you're getting your answer. Are you using your imagination? Are you kind of using things that aren't normal? Or just like the man, he's looking to see is this person thinking with their imagination and innovation. Another thing he does, he'll ask them about their career path in the past. And he'll have them describe what difficult seasons they went to or turning points or uh, transitional points in their career that they came to that were difficult. And then he wants to know how did they work through that? And again, it's like problem solving, thinking forward, imagination. How did you get through that? And then his incentive structure for employees, especially in the engineering department, is all based on innovation. The more you innovate, the more incentives you get. Right, And so he's, he's just encouraging people to dream, to think, to go forward, to have vision. What about this possibility? What about that possibility? And so these are just some examples of the importance, um, not just of, of, of God, but just in humanity itself. That, man, imagination, creativity, dreaming, having a vision for your life, for your business, for your kids. Like all this stuff is important that we think long term. Now, there's a phrase that, that, that's true, but it's, at the same time, it's not true, right? We, we all know the phrase that, hey, we're, you know, we're prisoners of time, right? You heard that phrase, like, oh, we're trapped in time. We're, we're just kind of stuck here in the present moment. Now, that's true, but then it's, it's not true. You see, we have our, what, what we call, like, our mind's eye. You know, we have the ability to roll forward, to watch a reel within our mind's eye, something in the future that we desire or dream of for god right we have our mind's eye one author says this imagination is the key that unlocks the prison of time imagination makes us powerfully human it makes us inventors and planners and that's god-given that again is god-given so bottom line with imagination and dreaming and vision and all that stuff, we have to understand that God doesn't make generic, right? He doesn't make, there's no generic snowflake. There's no generic sunset or sunrise. There's no generic human being, okay? There should be no generic church. Like, every church is the same. No, every church should have a vision, you know, from the pastor that he's dreaming about and that makes that church unique. And it's the same thing with you and your family. Everything about you man, makes you unique, okay? There's no such thing as generic. With that said, you have a Bible, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, it says this, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. And this is where you get, you're going to start to see like this co-creating, okay? So that they may rule or reign over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over livestock and all the wild animals and over the creatures that move along the ground. Skip down to verse 28. God blessed them and said, check this out, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it, or better language for us to understand is to govern it, okay? Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air uh, in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And then verse 29, he just kind of goes off about God saying, man, I'm going to give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with its seed. This will be yours for food. And he kind of goes on. But what I want you to notice is that God creates, right? But then he puts man in charge. Okay? Hey, I created this. All these things are for you. Now I want you to govern it. And there's a phrase in, in, in Genesis where it says that Adam walked with God in the cool of the day, one translation says. And I love that. Because you think about the creation of humanity, and God and Adam walking together, and and God showing Adam all these things, and showing this, and and when we get to chapter 2, check this out, he says in chapter 2, verse 15, then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it, and to take care of it, or to tend and watch over it, right? So he places him in this garden, in a very large sandbox, so to speak, and just says, hey man, just... Do what you want to do. Just don't touch this tree, knowledge of good and evil. But other than that, go, play, build, cultivate. Do what you want to do. Build a society. Be fruitful and multiply. Multiply, excuse me. Uh, uh, Verse 19, now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and the birds of the sky and then this is where he says this statement. He said, uh, he brought them to the man to see what he would name them. So he brings all the animals, and, and then, again, there's this freedom, this co-creating where God is saying, hey, I want you to name things. I want you to name things. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds and the wild animals. Okay. Now, this, this account in Genesis by theologians is called the cultural mandate, okay? And this is where we kind of get this idea of co-creating. It's a cultural mandate given by theologians. And and this is what the definition of a cultural mandate. God calls humans, as those made in his image, to fill the earth with his glory. Now listen to this. Through creating what we commonly call culture. Okay? Through creating. So again, just notice the partnership between God and man. Co-creating. And culture is defined as a customary set of beliefs, social forms, and material traits of a racial, religious, or social group. It can otherwise otherwise be described as a shared attitudes, values, goals, and practices that characterize an institution or an organization. So here's this thing, this cultural mandate that God has laid forth, and then we actually get to participate in cultivating that, which is a verb right? So we get to actively participate with God in creating culture. And in the language of Jesus, that language is called the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. That's what we as New Testament believers get to partner with God in bringing, again, in what Jesus says in the Lord's prayer, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So there's this idea that we are, to make it really simple, Partnering with God in pulling down heaven's culture on earth. Okay? And we see that in in the Lord's Prayer. But to backtrack just a little bit, I got ahead of myself. Um, we're going to just take one quick look at, at Abraham because this idea of cultivating and dreaming and having vision um, also goes on in Abraham's life. If you know that story, in, in Genesis chapter 12, God calls Abraham out says, hey, I want to want you to go out to a land that I will show you, okay, in chapter 12. And then in chapter 13, listen to this. The Lord said to Abraham after Lot had departed and took from him, uh, parted from him, I want you to picture this. God says, look around from where you are to the north, south, east, and west. All the land that you see I will give to you and your offspring forever. And skip down to verse 17. He says, go, walk through the length and breadth of the land for i am giving it to you now if anybody's ever been you know hiking or backpacking you come to a beautiful vista right and it's, so just imagine that again in your mind's eye just imagine that and imagine god standing next to you and just going look do you see to the north here check this out check this out see oh look at that valley see that fertile valley and l- listen here are all these mountains see those snow-capped mountains those are always abraham these are always going to bring water to the valley and he just goes around a 360-degree view and just says, hey, north, south, east, west, this is all going to be yours. And then I love how that last verse says, hey, go walk through it. Walk through the length and breadth of it. And then it's interesting because then a little bit later, he does. He goes and walks, in and then he says, hey, I'm going to camp by these trees, by Mar. And so you see the freedom that, that God gives Abraham in this story to just go build and create and multiply build a society and we get to participate that in what's known as the kingdom of god the kingdom of god your will be done your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven one scholar says this about about uh what jesus is saying as far as this idea of like pulling heaven's culture down he says this says listen You belong, us as human beings, we belong to somewhere else. You belong to the rule and reign of God, and your job is to bring heaven to earth in the here and now. To bring heaven's culture in and over the region in which you live and call home. Your job, I love this language, your job is to heavenize, in the language of Jesus, your job is to heavenize planet earth and the place which you live so to kind of sum that up man god gives humanity a mandate to create to be a part of establishing a culture we see that all throughout the scriptures and then when it comes to the new testament the language is your kingdom come your will be done and that comes through the preaching of the kingdom of god and we get to participate with god in bringing heaven's culture to earth. And we co-create with God in that. Now, there are four kind of problems or challenges with that, I think, that, that our society um, has. And, and one of them, kind of going back to uh, this idea of uh, a New Year's resolution, statistically, it's not in your favor. So I wonder how many of us throughout the years have maybe had a good idea, a God idea, I don't want to do this for God, I want to do that for God, I want to partner with God here but just somewhere along the way, you have kids, whatever, and and life gets hard. Life gets fast, and you just kind of say, "I'll oh, forget it." Now I'm in the ministry, and I've done that. <laughs> I've been like praying for things, and I've I just come to the place where I'm like, "Oh my gosh, that's just overwhelming," you know. But I wonder, I wonder how many of us have lost our dreams, lost that idea of co-creating God, or maybe you're here and you've like, "Man, I've never really even pondered that idea of a partnering with God," and I didn't know I could really do that, and I, I didn't know I could kind of use my dreams and visions or, and just, you know, co-create with God. I didn't know I could do that. And if that's you, hey, that's okay. You're like, no, I didn't know that at all. You know what? You can start today, right? You can start today. Start thinking about these things, okay? But statistically, it's, it's not in our favor. And I don't know how many times I've kind of given up on things or just said, man, forget it. I talked to Tony at the gym at Monmouth Fitness and I said, hey, can you give me a statistic on how many people uh, sign up for the gym and then then quit? And within six months of people that sign up at the new year, within six months, 65% of those people have quit their membership. And by the end of the year, he doesn't know what the stat is, but by the end of the year, by 12 months, because a lot of people sign up for a year uh, membership and so they might stop coming before that, but after 12 months, that, that statistic gets lower, right? We, we all know that the stats are not in our favor. And so there, there's just something within our culture and within ourselves that maybe we just give up to soon on maybe what God has for us. We don't have the, the patience and endurance to go through that. And so my encouragement to you in that would just simply be to, man, just start revisiting maybe some things that were on your heart in college, run your heart as a young man, young woman, something. Start revisiting some things. And if you're young here, man, start, I did college ministry for 20 years, 20 years. And I loved working with college students because that was the opportune time for them, for you, to start thinking long-term, God, what do you want to do with my life? How can I partner with you long-term, okay? The second problem is that we settle for either smaller narratives or narratives of our own. And what I mean by that is, we have the scriptures. This is a large, ongoing story that we fit into. But I think for a lot of us, we settle for our own story or some smaller narrative, and then this story gets second, third, fourth, and you're never going to find fulfillment within your life by having this story second or third in your life. Social media is not going to satisfy. That narrative won't satisfy. Politics won't satisfy. Sports won't satisfy. That's what we tend to gravitate towards. These things that will, these sports or um, politics, these things that become narratives in our lives. And they're not fulfilling narratives. You're never going to find meaning within those narratives. John Eldridge, if you're familiar with him, Written a number of books. He said, Our heart is made to live in a larger story. Having lost that, we do the best we can by developing our own smaller dramas to live in. The third thing, third problem or challenge that we have is that we need to trade an obsession with now, right? This obsession with now for a mindset that values thinking long. Stuart Brand writes this civilization is revving itself into a pathologically short attention span. Do you know our, every year every year our attention span statistically goes down and it might be below 10 seconds now. It was at 12 I think 4 years ago. Okay, but our attention span consistently goes down. The trend might be becoming might be coming from the acceleration of technology. The short horizons per- perspective of market-driven economics, the next election perspective of demo- democracies, or the distraction of jeez, per- per- I cannot read personal multitasking—all of these are on the increase. Some sort of balancing is needed, right? I think all of us can identify at least with some of that, if not all of that. Technology for sure, politics for sure. You know, driven by money for sure. You know, all these things can just rev us up into um, just a frenzy. And so, all these things are distracting or problems. And the fourth thing, which is kind of tied to that, is simply the tyranny of now. Most of us are driven by what's right in front of us. Man, if you have those of you have kids, totally understand, right? It's hard to think kind of like, "Oh, I'm going to go dream with God. I'm going to co-create with God. I'm going to do these things." When your kids are just You know, constantly, whatever, fighting, wanting your attention. Um, You you all know. You have kids. You know, it can be tough. But so this idea of man, the tyranny of now, can cause just this this inhibition to think long term. So, with that idea, I just want to give you some examples of what my wife and I have done in our lives to kind of think long-term, you know, and as, as a father, um, as a husband, um, you know, one of the things that we did for our marriage is we've been married 20 years and, um, our first seven, eight years of marriage, like was absolutely brutal, like absolutely brutal. We both came in with kind of the rose colored glasses, into marriage and we didn't realize how much baggage we had from our past and uh, everything blew up within those first two years of marriage. And it it was brutal. I mean, you know, nights where weeks on end where I would sleep as close to the edge of the bed that I could because I didn't want to be close to her, right? Months of just not seeing eye to eye. But I knew from Scripture that God had something more. I would sit there and go, man, this, you know, to be quite frank, this sucks. This is not what I signed up for, Lord. Woman that you gave me. I didn't sign up for this, and she was probably saying the same thing. But I always would step back and be like, ah, but I know this is not what you have, God. I know that, that that you're not your intention is not for us to just live our married life, drudging through, not being kind of a happy couple. I just know it's not your, not your will. And so it took a lot of work. It took vision for that. Be like, I'm not going to settle. We're not going to settle for this. And it took a lot of work. And even about two or three years ago, we felt like we just hit a ceiling. We, you know, if you were to ask us, it'd be like, we're just good. But I don't think either one of us would say, man, it's great. It just felt like, oh, we hit a ceiling at like 80%. And we didn't have the language to be like, not sure what is exactly in between us. And because we had a vision for our marriage, we signed up for a class, for a year-long class every Tuesday night for two hours. And we went through that class, man, and we worked through stuff, and it was great. just got us a little bit further. We took some online classes, um, and then this last summer, we took we spent several thousand dollars for a five-week um, called Marriage Reset. And you had a teaching every Sunday night. You had two uh, one uh, personal uh, calls with another couple. Um, and then there was a, a three day retreat in there. And man, we just felt like uh, we just poured into our marriage. We just had a vision for our marriage. And we asked God, man, we want to, we want to make this work better. And now we're doing great. I don't know what to say about it that. Was, it was good, right? Like, we're like, oh, this is great. We're functioning. We've actually been going through a couple things that have been really, really difficult. And I've told my wife um, like three times in the last two weeks. I said, I just turned to her and said, "Honey, I am so thankful that we're actually able to do these things together. Because in the past 19 years, we wouldn't have been able to do it together. I wouldn't have wanted her help, to be honest. So maybe you're here, and and that's that. Maybe that's you. You know, you can just kind of go through marriage and kids, and, and you just kind of become roommates. Maybe it's like, yeah, I love my wife, but ah, you just you hit." Ceiling. Man, if something resonates with that, man, get a plan. Don't just settle. Don't just settle in your marriage like, I guess this is the way it's going to be. Okay. Also, with my kids, uh, my boys, um, I didn't grow up in a Christian home, so I'm like, I do not know how to raise kids in the church, you know, and all that kind of stuff. But there's a guy, John Tyson in New York, who came up with this this curriculum kind of stuff, uh, a plan. He calls it Primal Path. And so I purchased this, and it's just helping guide me with my teenage son through his high school years and teaching it you know I'm, I'm just just trying to figure out how do I teach this kid about God in, in kind of a fun way there's some things I've tried and I'm and he's just like I don't want to do this anymore I'm like ah dang it okay well let's watch some more movies that sounds great but we're taking movies like Lord of the Rings and I'm comparing it to the Bible I said now son watch the Lord we'll watch all three things right? all three series, and then we stop, we talk about the characters, the difficulties, blah, blah, and then I bring that back to the Bible. And I say, hey, just like all these characters fit into this big, large story, that's what we're doing as, as followers of Jesus with the scriptures in this world. And then he's like, oh, okay. So it's, again, but it's getting creative. It's using imagination. It's not just, man, what do I do with a 12-year-old teaching about God? I don't know. Somebody suggested, John Tyson suggested watching movies. Sounds like a great idea. Okay, so maybe maybe you're here. You don't have a vision for your kids. You don't have a vision for your son or your daughters. Man, get a vision for your son and your daughters and your family, and your wife. Get a vision for your business, for the place that you work. I have two friends, one friend's a construction worker, 31 years old, and man, that dude, I, I should have got it, but he has three points for his business, and it is all kingdom-centered. It is all like, finances go here, this money goes to the kingdom, this is going to missionaries, and they're just living really simple lives. I have another friend who just moved here, he owns his own solar company, so he's a solar panel company, Um, and so he can work remotely, but he moved here, and he's like, hey, Scott, just so you know, like, I've set my business up to where, you know, my wife and I are ready to serve. Whatever you want us to do, we'll do it, because I've set my business up in a way That we can do it, we we can kind of work, so to speak, part time helping you out. I'm like, that's amazing, man. If you're here, you're you know you're going to school, you own a business, man. Start thinking long term. Get a vision for your business. Get a vision for your family. Get a vision for your future. Start dreaming with God. Start co-creating with God. So I just want to close with a couple. Examples, or a couple of just questions to kind of just get you thinking. Um, what is God prompting you to do? Is he prompting you to do anything? Is he, is he asking you to, is he inviting you into something? What is he teaching you and what is he showing you? What hope is he providing for the future? Or what picture of the future is he giving you? But let that let just some of those questions just sit for a minute. Because if you can't answer that question or nothing is coming to your mind, again, that's okay. Just know you have a blank sheet of paper before you. And that for some of you, God is coming up to you right now. And he's putting his arm around you. And he's saying, whatever your name is. And he's starting to go like this. Look around, look around. You see everything I've given you. Your daughter over here? Yeah. I want you to start thinking long term about her. What are you going to do? Your son? Same thing. I know you're struggling in your marriage. You need to start thinking long term. You need to start having conversations with your wife about how we're going to get to where I want you to get you. Okay. I think some of the people, some of you coming to some of you right now and during our next, next song of worship, and I would just ask that you just say, God, what, you know, ask these questions. What is it you're asking of me? How do you want me to participate in co creating for my family? for the kingdom, for this community, for this church. Amen.